Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. I'm very grateful uh, to be able to minister this morning and to become uh, up to this pulpit after Pastor Scott Lamb is to step into an arena where you feel the grace of God, you feel the Holy Spirit, you feel Christ glorified, and because of that it gives great confidence. Because as we sit here today and as we sit here this week, the Holy Spirit uh, ministering to us, and I believe wants to minister minister to us again. Luke 17, verse 5 to verse 10. Thank you again, Pastor Greg, for the opportunity to minister. Luke 17, verse 5 to verse 10. I've got a little confession to make. In much of lockdown, in the real lockdown in the UK, which went on for a while, when it was pretty, it was, it was lockdown, Carol and I really enjoyed it. I'm not praying for it to happen again, definitely. But for that season, we loved it. I was still working. I was still preaching. We were able to go to prayer every morning. They had allowed solitary prayer, so we took that as ours. I was doing a daily study on the book of Hebrews that required filming and so forth and so on. Yet despite a relatively busy spiritual schedule, I had so much energy. We had so much energy. We felt like we had so much time. I'm walking in the woods. I'm cooking Indian till two in the morning. Me and Carol, our neighbors must have thought, what has happened in that household? (laughs) And then as life moved on, we came to realize, as we've heard this morning, that every pastor carries a burden. He might not realize it, but people are on your mind. People are in your subconscious. The conflicts in the church, the problems to resolve, the issues that you're dealing with, the marriages, the backsliding, the need of discipleship, the attitude and Pastors are sitting here today and they carry with them huge pressure. And the background to our text is Jesus is talking about the reality of offenses. He's warning about causing them, about rebuking forgiveness. He's talking about ongoing conflict. What he's dealing with is people. Dealing with people. Have I offended? Did you offend me? Self-examination, recrimination, 
the need of forgiveness, difficult interaction that sometimes seems endless. And as Jesus is teaching this to the disciples, they can only, uh, uh, at the end of his, his words, can only say, increase our faith. Because there are things that we face in ministry and what we feel that we need is a supernatural faith to deal with these people issues that, as we've heard today, the ability to keep loving and, and being a good pastor and so forth and so on. And that is true. We need faith. And Jesus is going to make a common comment on it about the power of it. In fact, he says, if you just have a little bit of faith, you're going to be able to move a mountain. But then he's going to tell a story. It's a story with a message. It's a parable with a point. That some things are overcome by what you say about yourself. If you are going to make it, if you are going to fulfill what God has for you, if you are going to make it through the turbulence of ministry relationships and church battles, the hard choices, the sacrifice that we heard this morning, then listen to our text. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drunk and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. I want to look with you as we think about the subject of being unprofitable brings great gain. And think first of all about thankless service. Pastor Mitchell always taught us and warned us and he said, pastoring will be the hardest thing you'll ever do. We're talking about a holy responsibility, as one man said, that has a weight to it. Exodus 28, verse 12 to 13, and you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel, so Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial he is going to carry upon his shoulders the names of God's people. As Pastor Greg once said, what happens to the people in some measure depends on you. And that's a weight. That's a burden. We find the first time a man leading God's people, Moses, quickly overwhelmed until Jethro intervenes to give him wisdom. It is called the work of the ministry for a reason. 1 Thessalonians 2.9, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, and often this 
this burden that you carry, the names on your shoulders, the prayers, the burden, it often feels like a thankless task. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. One translation says, is he grateful? And does he praise the servant because he did what he was ordered to do? And the implication is no. Because the truth is, what we do is not always recognized. And that can be very painful. It can be very painful for pastors. It can be very painful for pastors' wives that left home, left families, left churches. And it can actually bring a real crisis. It is possible to get to the point in ministry as you're carrying these loads and burdens when it feels thankless, that you get to the point where you say, well, what is the point? No one cares. I don't need this. I don't need this pressure. I don't need this burden. I just don't need it. And that is why conferences we can come into sometimes in a very fragile state. Our text speaks of a servant, not servants. And while there may well have been other servants, ministry is often very lonely. And ministry is often what we do alone, and we can easily feel like Elijah, that we're the only one pulling our weight. It is only if you pastor... Can you understand the feeling of the drive home after church? It's only pastors that can relate if you pause and just remember that feeling. And sometimes it feels endless. There are no set hours. It's not nine to five. It's hard to switch off. It's one thing after the other. One minute you're plowing the field, the next minute you're doing the dishes and preparing a meal. Heavy demands made and sacrifice expected. I remember reading a, a book as a new convert that was passed around by Charles Swindoll about improving your serve. And he made a statement that I never forgot. He said, we know about servanthood as Christians, and we want to be a servant, but we just don't want to be treated like one. Because it can be hard. And so in our text, as we move through this message, we now look at unprofitable servants. And you think, what? God too? We are to say we are unprofitable servants? Oh, great. Oh, good. Not only are we carrying this burden, already we are trying to, you know, we're, we're, we're unthankful. Not only do I feel lousy, but now I have to tell myself I am lousy. <laughs> well, the word unprofitable can mean useless. So it's easy to come to that conclusion. And so at first glance, it sounds like Jesus is saying, listen, don't expect any reward. Make sure you know your place. Get on with it. You've got a duty to do. Get on with it. Just say you're a useless servant. And in fact, the more you say you're a worm, the better. 
come in here whinging and whining and complaining? Heat of the day? Burdens? Just say you're an unprofitable servant. Well, we instinctively know that there must be something more here. The thought that Jesus can't praise anybody, that Jesus can't be thankful, that the disciples can, that we're called to esteem one another, we're to show deep appreciation to fellow workers, to the help and the support of those around us, but somehow the, the first picture here is, is, is somehow God is unmoved with his arms folded, he never shows appreciation. We come in tired, laboring, and we're just as if we're unprofitable servants doing our duty until, of course, someone dies, and then he's almost transformed. And then he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But never before. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because we know our king, and we know our God. And the Bible is filled with God's pleasure. It is filled with God's reward and favor given to men. It is filled uh, even to the point of giving a cup of cold water. It is noted and rewarded. We understand that what we do triggers uh, favor, blessing, give, and it will be given unto you. God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. Our God recognizes he has not forgotten your sacrifice. He is not, uh, he is not blind to the burdens you carry. He understands the mill that you're going through. He, uh, 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 and the psalmist said, I wouldn't I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So therefore, there must be another message here. And there is. And in these words, as Jesus is teaching about, about dealing in very difficult circumstances with people, with burdens, with forgiveness, with love, with service, and he gives us this parable, yes, you're going to need faith, but then he's going to give us a reason to help us in long-term service. And then he says, so likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done what was our duty to do. Unprofitable, it can mean useless. It can mean one set aside is no longer useful, worthless, or unfit for war. But that can't be the context here. The emphasis of unprofitable is simply we have not added something that was not due. Luke 17.10, the Amplified says, we are unworthy servants, possessing no merit, for we have not gone beyond our obligation. We have merely done what was our duty to do. In the various uh, common, uh, commentaries, Martin Vincent says it comes from the word creera. It means requirement or something which the master must pay. So think about that. We have not gone beyond our obligation, a requirement, something which the master must pay. It is not about being useless, but it is the recognition 
that in all that we do, we have not rendered service beyond what was due. We have not gone beyond and added something that now the master must pay for. We have not added something that now what is required is praise or reward. In other words, we have done something, we have gone through something, we have endured something, we have carried something, that now all of a sudden the master is in debt to us. Think about that, at that possibility, that in the battle of ministry, in the labor and the stress, in the hard choices, in the required sacrifice, something unhealthy happens to a man or a woman who now feels God owes them. You're going to need faith, but you're also going to have to be aware of this trap. That in the heat of the day, with the callings of God, you're working in the field, you're coming into the house to wash and serve again, seemingly with no thanks, and you are to say these words because when you feel that somehow God is in debt to you, you're in trouble. We are warned about when things get upside down, not that we are, but God would owe us. The Proverbs 30 verse 20 to verse 23 says, For three things the earth is perturbed. Yes, for four it cannot bear up. For a servant when he reigns, a fool when he's filled with food, a hateful woman when she's married, a main servant who succeeds her mistress. The earth is perturbed. It cannot bear up for a servant when he reigns. When things have gone upside down, the earth is disquieted, it frets, it quakes, it shakes, it cannot bear, it's unbearable, the earth. Not the heavens, the earth, where you live. When in your head you feel God now owes you, the very life and where you live becomes very unstable and very insecure. We get to the point where we feel like God is not pulling his weight. That somehow we're out in the fields, we're now called back to the house. He's sitting there with his cup of tea, he's removed. We're out there sweating in the field, now we're coming back, we're having to come back. Okay, no, I can't sit down, I've got to serve the Lord, now I've got to get the cooking, I've got to serve him more and more and more, and we're running back. Oh, it's so hard serving God. He's a hard man. Does that sound familiar? In Matthew 25, then he who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. And look, there what you have is yours. Now we're hiding. We're removed. We're isolated. We're burnt out not by workload, but by frustration and anger. And now we're unfit for service. We're useless. It is a blessed thing for a man to call himself an unprofitable servant. 
It's an awful thing for the master to call him one. If we're not careful in the battle of ministry, things get a little bit, we feel, God, you owe me. We have an attitude of God is like somehow he's just left us alone to work and work and, 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 and serve. And our relationships suffer. When we first began to labor, we had a love for the fellowship, a love for our brethren. But after a while, as we've endured the heat of the day, we become envious of those who, in our opinion, have not worked as hard or as long as we have because we view ministry as balancing the books. I've done, I should be rewarded. I've done, therefore this should happen. I've done. And because of that now, we stumble at our brother's blessing. We remain in a very dark place. Christianity becomes very hard and ministry probably impossible. Job felt that the scales weren't right. He said, I've lived right. And he was correct. He said, I've lived right, and so I want an audience with the king. I want an audience with God because he should know how unequal this is. How unright this is. I've lived right. I've done what I was called to do, and yet, look, I need an audience with God because he would know how unfair this is. And then God shows up, and he says, I'm an unprofitable servant. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you, therefore I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. He's literally saying, I'm an unprofitable servant. And then he was blessed. Listen to me. Then there was fruitfulness, dominion, answered prayers, relationships restored. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And I would say to every minister here, your best days are ahead of you when you get this. When you are able to get through this trial and you're able to say along with this servant, God does not owe me. I have not done anything. When I went through that rebellion in the church, I have not done anything that God still owes me now. When I dealt and had to forgive the work, the burden, God does not owe me. And when you come to that place and you've resolved, worked that through, your best days are ahead because Jesus is saying some things are overcome by what you say about yourself. I have added nothing, even in the sacrifice, even in the choices, even with the people that would make God owe me. We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. So let me close with doing our duty. Some things we do because we serve a great master. There is an incredible blessing about being his servant and being called into the ministry. I understand there are times of battles, lows and serious battles when we thought we were going to lose and some we did. But in the middle of the ministry, there are incredible experiences. You sit with people, incredible people. Your lives are entwined with miracles. 
There's a depth to life. You're living for eternity. The experiences with God and his word, the grace shown to you, the opportunities given, that you should be able to look back and say, there is no regrets and lots of thanks. And yet there are times when you feel like it's not fair how I've been treated. I've given the best years of my life. We've heard the rebels say that, the disciplined or even the hurting. But once we go down that rabbit hole, what do you expect? How can you get, what, what can people give you? You think if they just said this or did that, I would be... It, 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 it never does because everybody's paying a price if you're doing something for God. And so Jesus said a major way to keep a healthy attitude that leads to blessing is I am an unprofitable servant of the Most High God and I'm just doing my duty. I am the servant of the God of creation. I am the servant of the God who spoke this world into existence. I am the servant of the Messiah. I am the servant of Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead and I'm just doing my duty you know I read an article and when I said his name in England they will laugh but he's a rapper Snoop Dogg <laughs> and uh, I read an article where he pays someone in his entourage I think it's about $50,000 a year simply to roll his weed So there's a man in his entourage who's paid $50,000 a year to roll his weed. Now, there may be some young men that haven't quite got it yet that would think, wow, $50,000 a year just for, just for, Wow! <laughs> Traveling the world? <laughs> Being part of the entourage? <laughs> but you know how you're looked at in that entourage? You're just the weed roller. <laughs> That's all you are. You're a servant of a man who's using you, who has no respect for you. Roll my weed. <laughs> You're just a doormat. And I bet they mock you behind your back. The Bible says that the devils recognize the servants of God. This girl followed us, Paul and, and us, and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. An angel in the book of Revelations, an incredible angel, an angel so powerful, so glorious, that the Apostle John fell on his feet to worship him in Revelations 19. And he said to me, See that you do not do that. 
I am your fellow servant. We are servants, John. Get up. We are servants of the Most High God. And then, when you've grasped that revelation, you stand next to the cross. And if we stand there long enough, and if we wait at the foot of the cross long enough, and we see it long enough, something begins to change. You remember who He is and who you are. And you remember His deeds. And you remember His pain. And you remember His love. And you remember His grace. And you remember how He put down His, his hand and He picked you up and called you into His field and called you into His family. And then you begin to realize who you are and who He is. And you begin to realize this is His story, not ours. This is His glory, not ours. It's His purposes, not ours. It's His world. It's His kingdom, not ours. We've been called into this incredible kingdom to labor in it, in His love. His thoughts towards us are for good and for not for evil, to give us a hope and an expected end. He's, he's given us the privilege. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The reason why the apostle was able to write those words, he put the mercies of God in the forefront of our motivation. The reason, his mercy, who he is. And when he says to you, love them, look who's saying it to you. Look at his hands. Look at his feet. Look at our king. And he says, I want you to love them, as we heard today. Love them. Forgive them. Serve them. No wonder the psalmist said in Psalms 84, O oh God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will, will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And so this morning, this evening, when we leave this place, we leave the mountaintop Literally. And we go to our places of labor, the fields and the house. And it was in the secret place of the fields where David fought a lion and a bear that he found destiny. It is in the harvest fields of the world, the fields that God has prepared for you in your local church or in the city you're pastoring in. What David found in fighting the lion and the bear prepared him for Goliath and the kingdom. And then back to his house, the field and the house. And then the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. And so the question is, what would you do 
for your church. You're laboring in the field and then you come back into the house to serve. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And then there's going to come a day, as Pastor Foley preached, that he will say, oh, not that he's not said it before. Not that you've lived this life with God crossing his hands No, no, that's not what the parable's saying. He's just saying, don't ever come to the place. Sometimes you've got to say to yourself, God doesn't owe me. I'm a servant of the Most High God. Oh, this incredible God, this incredible King, this incredible Savior. And I am doing what my duty was to do, and in that there is blessing and fruitfulness and grace and opportunity and favor. And then there comes a day when he looks you in the eye and says, well done, thou good and faithful. He uses that word servant because it's an honorable word. All these years you've served me. God bless you. Amen. And God bless your labors.